What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Streamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with my one co-host, Michael Nowen. We have another great show for you. Before that, please take a moment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcasts. Also, give us a follow on Twitter at the SLScreamers underscore pod. Top right into the show, Mike. We have a ton to cover today, right from news and notes from around the world. Obviously, we got Champions League going on. Man City, surprisingly, go through it around a 16. Man U crash out against Atletico Madrid. Guess who called it? Guess who called it? (laughs) Calm it down over there. Um, We had Chelsea go through against Lille and Liverpool go through against Inter, although very close on that one as well. Um, Some shocking crash outs, PSG, PSG, even though with their massively talented roster of Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe, fall to Real Madrid. And Juve was knocked out by Villarreal, actually. So that should be an interesting one to uh, look look at. In Turin. In at Juventus's home stadium, too, three nothing ass whipping. So everyone misses Weston McKinnon. USA is about to suffer from that as well. We'll get to that later in the show. Um, any surprise? I mean, we kind of covered a few surprises, but any surprises from the Champions League? Do you think? Um, um, from the Premier League, Premier League perspective. From a Premier League perspective, no. I think it's exactly on par with what I was expecting. I didn't think Man U would get through the Simeone team as predicted last week. Chelsea versus Lille is pretty straightforward. The Liverpool versus Inter Milan match, I thought it was going to be build up to be a much tighter, I guess I could say, game, but I still thought Liverpool would get through. Um, so that, I guess you could say, it was a surprise to me. Um, and then Man City, I mean, everyone knew they were going to unfortunately steamroll sporting. So we were hoping for one competitive leg at least. Yeah. Um, we do have some more drama out of Stanford Bridge. Speaking of Chelsea, their sale continues they're not allowed to spend more than 20k on travel Mm. kai havertz who's been their hero as of late might talk about him a little later literally is offering to pay the team's travel expenses at this point because i mean he makes enough money to do it so (laughs) it's like let's see on like 400k a week i think it's something absurd i kind of like how they do it per week not like on a yearly basis or something (laughs) i guess or bigger i don't even know (laughs) It makes it not sound as bad, I guess, when you pay someone like 40 mil a year and you're just like, ah, it's only like 500 grand a week. We're fine. Yeah, it's, it's not too bad. It's not too bad at all. Um, the Cubs owner, a Saudi media group, all interested in making bids on. I think the Saudi group actually made one for about 2.7 billion, which um pretty high valuation, honestly. I forget what uh, Abramovich is asking for. I know it's in the threes, but yeah, not too far off considering the turmoil. Interesting who the bid's coming from, though, because obviously we just had the Newcastle takeover. Mm-hmm. Abramovich is getting ousted for everything going on with Putin, his own past. You know, there's some things coming out about him as well now, um, his associations. But I think it's very hypocritical. I'm gonna be frank. Um, if okay, the, yeah, like like the fact that obviously the Saudis were able to come in and bid for Newcastle, they said there was no necessarily direct links. Realistically, there are. They're saying the same thing about this media group. There's no direct links, but a ton of indirect links, unsurprisingly. It's like, come on, like you're obviously taking Roman Abramovich and targeting him for a reason, right? A rightful reason. Um, how could you now allow this consortium to come in and take over Chelsea when you're literally getting rid of somebody for a relatively similar issue? So I, I can't see how or why they would accept a bid with given the current political climate let's just say that especially directly after newcastle one and how hotly debated that was even yeah going into it you know what i mean it doesn't really make too much sense in that aspect as well like we just got over this with newcastle and you're like oh you know let's do it again 
I don't know. It seems a little weird. Um, yeah. Obviously, they. I don't know if it's still in effect because it's been going back and forth so much. To my knowledge, I don't know if they can still uh, sign any free agents, make any kind of player transfers. I don't, I don't believe so. Not yet. What do you think this is going to do for the team, the players that are on contracts? You know, you have like Rudiger, Christensen, as a Paqueta. You have young guys out on loan. Connor Gallagher might not want to come back to this kind of situation. Um, yeah. What do you think their Chelsea squad could look like in a year or two? <laughs> Honestly, I think you'll see some people leave. I think maybe Rudiger, and there's also rumors floating around on Fabrizio Romano's Twitter that, um, what's his name? Uh, Christensen might be like, I have a pre-agreement with Barcelona already. I think you'll see some of those players probably leave. Um, I think the majority of Chelsea players are still in our contract for a decent amount of time, and they'll probably stay around for as long as they can. And in an ideal world, Roman Abramovich is going to want to sell this club as soon as possible to get this mess out of his hair as soon as possible. And I think that'll most likely happen probably by the end of this season. If I had to put a, put an end of the date kind of timeline on it. Um, so I don't think it'll impact, let's just say transfers too much. Um, Cause new money coming in, they're going to want to make an impression more than likely. I'm sure they'll probably spend and sell certain players, but for the upcoming months, definitely a, decent amount of turmoil a decent amount of gray hairs you could say they're going to be added to certain people's heads um yeah i mean long term i don't think it'll be a major issue short term it's it's a big problem so okay so you think maybe like short term and just is the ending to this year or do you think like a one-year grace period kind of like them figuring their club back out again like next i year? think i think the end to this year because i i really do think they'll sell it and have the British government step in and sell it before the end of this year wraps up or right as it ends, like right maybe a week or two after the season. I don't think they'll sit around and wait too long because supposedly the rumors are that they have to have bids in by this Friday if they want a serious offer. So Roman apparently wants to get rid of the club pretty fast for obvious reasons. Sad day for many fans. Um, speaking of transfers, though, we do have one that's been also – very much in the news over just the last year. Holland, Real Madrid or Manchester City, which is the better fit? Yeah, um, that is a tough question. Would I love to see Kylian Mbappe and Holland tear it up with Vinicius Jr.? Um, yeah, that sounds fucking awesome. However, I mean, anything's going to be unfair with, with Holland, to be honest. If he goes to that team, if he goes to Man City where he's the premier striker and then he has a pep team built around him. I mean, that's a 40 goal season waiting to happen. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's not, it's going to be absurd regardless. Um, personally though, I do think Holland is better fit for the premier league, just based on his physicality, based on the way he plays in particular. I think he'd be that missing piece that pep really wanted that he could obviously get for about what 30, 40 million euros or, you know, pounds cheaper than what he wanted for Harry Kane. You know, he's the next protege of him and Lewandowski. So I think that's the logical move for Holland. I think that's the logical move for City is to put in that bid. Um, and obviously he'll be the star, the main man on that team. So interesting. Yeah, I, I honestly I don't see a bad fit for this guy. He, I'm not gonna say he's like team proof by any means. Like you see some guys go to certain clubs and not and not perform it the way they should, but mm -hmm. He can he can make anything happen with just one touch in the box, turn, shoot. It doesn't matter. I feel like this guy's got everything, and regardless of where he goes, to, I think I honestly I personally think he'll probably do better at City just because the playmakers around him. Like all he has to literally focus on is just exactly nothing else. Exactly. But 
and that's where he thrives and that's literally where he thrives so it'll be interesting there are rumors of him too that city are going to put in the bid to meet his clause by the end of april because that's when it's supposed to go up so we'll see in a couple months but it's being widely reported that city are starting to lead the race a little bit interesting interesting um we do have some interesting news out of the bound they are voting uh the rules have now changed they're going to go following this coming year they're going to follow the regular european season rather than the calendar year uh, restrict the voting to the journalists from the first 100 nations in the FIFA World Rankings uh, for the men's award and the first 50 uh, for the women. Last year, 180 journalists in, in total voted. Uh, that's for the men's award. And it's confirmed that it will be based first on individual performance, followed by team performance, and fair play. Meanwhile, it's also said that the players' reputation and performance in the past years should not influence voting. If this was all in effect, I think Lebo would have the last two. They might as well remark this the Lewandowski rule at this point. Honestly, yeah, I, I, he he would have went back to back and like it, 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 with no problem. Yeah, I, I honestly I like the way that they're restructuring this award because a lot of times like people will start to bring in like oh it's a World Cup year and oh it's you know they have this happening on the national level, and obviously that should play a part a little bit, but for this piece just the European season. Um, the way they break it down based on the individual performance and then the team performance, I think that's the right way to do it ultimately. Um, and it should hopefully help prevent a little bit of bias from certain players winning certain awards. Not to say they don't deserve them, but certain people had better years than others. And we have to call that out. So, Agreed. I, I'm actually a very big fan of the way they switched these rules up. I thought, I thought this was how the voting should have always been. Not necessarily the amount of journalists and stuff like that, but yeah. the the way it's structured now, individual performance first, then team, and then fair play. Like that to me was how I judge personally judged it off of. And I'm, I'm glad to see them switch it as well. Yeah. Um, last couple things or last thing really touched upon about that apparent Salah contract issues. Do you think he stays in Liverpool or does he finally leave? I think he stays end of day. Um, I think, I don't know. I mean, I mean, let's think about this. He has like, I think a year, year and a half or something along those lines left on his contract. He's um, pretty much won everything at Liverpool that he can win, to my knowledge, right? I, I think they've touched. He, yeah, I mean, he's won the Premier League. He's won the Champions League. They won that. Did they win the FA Cup? I, th- I think they did. That might be the only one they haven't touched. Yeah, they win the Carabao Cup. Uh, City's had control on that for a while too. Maybe, okay, so let's just—he's won the two biggest. We'll go with that. Okay, fair enough. But I mean, if you're Mo Salah and he's getting—you know—he's getting up there, Liverpool might be able to pull away. Let's say. 100 mil you could probably get 100 mil for him realistically as of right now if someone was willing to pay that money i guess that depends if there's another team that you can get to pay 100 mil for him so you now have luis diaz you have jota they're proven they can they show that they have quality maybe you take that 100 mil i'm just saying i don't think he leaves but it's definitely a conversation worth having at the end of the day who's older him or money you know i do not know I kind of get the feeling. Kind of get the feeling it would be. Sonny's twenty nine, and we got Salah also twenty nine. Yeah, yeah, they're not, and their birthdays aren't even far apart. It looks like. Well, um, that's an interesting question then. If you had to choose between one of the two, Salah or Mane, who would you keep? You got. Diaz and Jota, I guess, could really urge. I don't know. Jota does play that false nine pretty well, too. Um, but they're also really good wingers. Maybe bring in a striker and you can get rid of both, realistically. 
get rid of both Salah and Mane. Well, you're talking players over 30. What are their transfer fees? I mean, besides like Ronaldo and Messi. <laughs> right? They're, they're yeah. cutting half immediately from their already lower starting point. So if you're going to flip a team, not saying they should, because right now they're built to win trophies, right? Like, like, a, like, yeah, they're in, like, they're there. They have their chance. It's, it's, you have a window as a team, like, right. In, in pretty much all sports, you build the team up, you go for hopefully two to three years. Maybe if you can make it prolong as long as five is something like the, the golden state warriors did. But outside of that, like you, then you get into another cycle where you're constantly like, you know, you're rebuilding, waiting for your time to come up again, kind of situation. Right now, they're in the peak of that. I don't know how many more years you could go with it. Mm. Do you capitalize on the next one or two and then just say, see you later, we'll get rid of some guys, bring in some more uh, more funds, and then reinvest into the squad. And then, you know, a down year, maybe two, not necessarily a down year, but not title-winning potential years, and then do it all over again. I think if I pose the question to myself, I'd probably keep Salah and then sell Mane just because I feel like over the course of his career, Salah has been more consistent than Mane. Not to say they aren't both great players and they don't have big moments, but I feel like Salah offers a little bit extra in the final third. I can see that. I would put Mane a little earlier in his career, definitely more of a, on the winning side, but like I feel like later on with Liverpool, he's, he's played a little bit more of a central role and uh, more kind of, I don't want to say back, back to net, but more goal scoring uh, opportunities for him. Um, so let's kind of touch upon, let's get right into the Premier Leagues. We're, we're going to touch upon the USA last here, uh, heading into international break. But we have quite a few things that went on last week. Wolver, big 4-0 win over Watford. Leeds, or Villa, 3-0 over Leeds. Uh, Newcastle, 2-1 over Southampton. Chelsea, 3-1 over Norwich. Liverpool, 2-0 over Brighton. One of the bigger matches to talk about was the Brentford-Burnley match. Uh, Brentford won 2-0. Big fight at the relegation survival at the bottom of the table. Um, was Tony both was he both goals in this one? Tony was both goals. He got the first one, which I believe was a PK, and then immediately after there was an Erickson left footed beautiful ball assist right onto Tony's head. Um, honestly, I, that game felt very much like a kind of felt like a championship playoff game, if I'm going to be frank. Like it was very frantic, a lot of balls, kind of loose passes, um, and it didn't really settle down until like later in the second half. Um, and I think that's when you saw just that little bit of quality on Brentford's end, uh, which ultimately shone through. And once that first goal went in, Burnley, you know, they had a couple chances, like one or two, but they didn't necessarily threaten too much else moving forward. And obviously, once the second goal went in with Tony's header, it was wrap sealed, delivered. So, so I want to say, what was it, three podcasts ago, maybe? we were talking about what Brentford's troubles were and how they start the season versus where they are now. And the biggest yeah. one we said was Ivan Tony. He only had six goals through. He's, he's gone off. Yeah. He has literally gone off. For a <laughs> in a race since then. Maybe we should start calling people out more because apparently they're listening. <laughs> we do. We do. And then got to bet on them too as well. Got to, got to do that. Uh, make a little money in between. But yeah, I mean, look, when he's scoring, Brentford's winning. Yeah, absolutely. And for Burnley, now, it's, against it's terrible. Brentford. Yeah, I mean, for Burnley, it's terrible. They now sink down to 19th. They still have two games to play um, on Watford, one game to play on Everton. So it's not like there isn't a probability and a possibility, but that was a pretty big blow, honestly, uh, in the chase to get out of relegation. 
Yeah, I mean, they had a nice hot streak, and then they just had three straight losses, a 2-0 to uh, Leicester. They lost 4-0 to Chelsea, and then 2-0 to Burnley, so, or uh, to Brentford, my apologies. Um, and they, they play City next a, also. That's a, that's gets, a tough Yeah, they get City next, but then it does get a little easier. Um, Everton and Norwich right in that relegation zone with them. You mm-hmm. pull out that Everton win, you flop, you, sw- you switch positions, you are talking about a much different table and some pressure on yeah. some teams there. Yeah. I mean, they got Norwich right after that. West Ham, you know, that's who the hell knows who's going to be out there for West Ham that day. Um, Southampton's been dropping points of late. Wolves come back a little bit after their, their uh, you know, shit show two weeks, you want to call it. And then they get Wofford at the end of April as well. There's a lot of points on the table for them to grab. Yeah. They're still in it. They're very much still in it. Yeah. So. Like they're, they're not out of it. And if I don't want to call it like, cause they are behind a little bit in the table, but Everton's got, Who's still? We got Wofford. They, they they have a very very rough schedule. They got West Ham, Man U, Crystal Palace, Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester, Brentford. Bro, they have a rough rough schedule. It, I, I looking at that, I I would put them for relegation candidates. Oh my god. Yeah, it's we've been talking it's not, about it and talking about it, but it's not pretty. It's not that's pretty. Nuts. That's a horrible ending to a schedule. Yeah. Premier League script there's writers like striking game. again. <laughs> there's not one game in there where I can be like, like Burnley against Norwich. I'm not saying like I'm, I'm putting up points for them, but I, you know, I feel pretty good about Burnley getting three against Norwich. There's not one game in there where I'm like Everton, you're getting three points. Yeah. It's, it's a dog fight. It's going to be a dog fight. Scary, man. Oh my god! Oh, we'll see about that. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Holy crap! Um, one of the biggest games we had a Man U three-two win over Spurs. Ronaldo hat trick. Yeah, like he's waited. I don't know how, but like nine, ten games to score a goal and just decides to go off against your Spurs. How do you feel? Uh, I mean, I'm kind of bittersweet about it to be honest, because now I can put to bed the idea that Tottenham are in the top four race. So that kind of makes me feel a little bit less anxious. Um, also a little sad, but also he inspired my man, Tom Brady to come back out of retirement. So that was cool too, (laughs) to, to see that happen. Um, but in all seriousness, you know, it's not like while watching that game, let's just say, man, you were necessarily the better team. Cause I felt like at certain portions, Spurs had the chances and the opportunities. And if they had been more clinical, they would have finished it. Um, it was just a Ronaldo world-class goal for the first one, a world-class header for the third one, a small defensive mistake on the second, which ultimately led to obviously his hat trick. So I think they got beat out by Ronaldo. I wouldn't necessarily say the Man City or the Man United team as a whole. Um, it makes me wonder, obviously, if they didn't have Ronaldo, they didn't have De Gea in goal. I, like, where would Man U be, honestly, right now? Because those two guys have carried this fucking team. Um, it also makes me wonder about Harry Maguire's career also, because that guy's having a nightmare. But this season in particular. Interesting. He's he's still a captain for uh, Manchester United, right? He is, yeah. And then for now. England as well? For now. He must, he must have a hell of a locker room presence, man. That big noggin of his. That's what you want to call it? Yeah, his head. Yeah, he's not. Uh, he's he's seen better days than Man U, or, or just in his career in general. Um, so hopefully he turns around for just his sake. But 
you know, it's never, you know, for, from our perspective, it's always nice to have a good, have a good joke and have a good crack at them. Uh, moving on, Chelsea 1-0 winners over Newcastle. Just kind of big for the storyline, kind of everything going on with Chelsea. You know, Saudi backer, Saudi investors possibly coming in there. Newcastle just got a big injection as well from Saudi uh, backers. And we'll see how it goes. Realistically, Chelsea looked pretty bland in this game. It was a Kai Havertz and a Jorginho moment moment of magic. Great touch by Havertz to bring that ball down. and just it was an un unbelievable goal, the way he took it. He's been their, their talisman for the last – probably two or three weeks of the season and stuff. So good for him. Mm. Um, he's one bright spot in a really crappy, crappy spot for uh, Chelsea right now. I'm kind of curious because I didn't get to watch that game. How did the fans necessarily react with everything going on? Was it, what was that atmosphere? I really didn't notice too much difference. Me personally. Really? Mm. Yeah. I, I didn't really, didn't feel like we were called like that. It, it was, it was a typical game where like, throughout you're like why aren't they scoring why aren't they scoring so you're hearing like the moans around the ground so maybe like that kind of had a little bit of perspective into it mm. um, I just, and i never i'm trying to think of the right words but the angstiness was i feel like i had just as much watching the game based off of the showing and performance that we were getting versus just what was going on side outside the stadium i also feel like the, for the players it's great to be playing right now because Obviously, they're not supposed to be involved with what's going on with the club, right? That's supposed to be sure. the executive, the chairman, all that kind of stuff. But you feel it sure. as a player. I, there's no doubt about it. It's sitting there in the locker room in like a little overhead and shadow. I feel mm -hmm. like when you're playing in those games, it's actually much more of a relief because like for 90 minutes, you can just clear your head and just play the game. I will say, um, obviously, it's semi-football related, but not necessarily. But the way in particular Thomas Tuchel has handled the press conferences and handled his questions thrown at him about everything going on, I thought he's done just on a – Side note, a person like an amazing job, honestly. Uh, being transparent, being responsible in his answers, um, you know, and doing the right thing in that sense. Um, I don't like the way that necessarily Chelsea, I felt like kind of hung him out to dry to just answer all these questions on his own. But as a coach, as a leader of that team, you know, I, th I think he's done a great job doing that and keeping the players focused. I'll say that on what they should be doing. Yeah, it's definitely like he, he's, it's not his job to be, to be handling any of those type of questions or anything like that's not in like the coach's situation, but just being like who you are and stuff like you're, you're just stuck doing it. Yeah. Unfortunately. So I mean, so. good for him. Like you said, he is handling it like as best as you possibly can in the situation given. Um, so we'll see how it goes going forward. Hopefully once, once there's answers set to everything going on, I feel like a lot of stuff will start to diminish around like the club and like the anxiety yeah. behind it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, uh, moving on, we got Leeds versus Norwich. Jesse Marsh's first Premier League win, and boy, was it in style. Uh, leading one nothing for majority of the game. I think it was off of Rafinha early goal. Uh, Norwich came back in the 90th minute to tie it. We put a uh, lead subbed on Tony Gerhardt. And lo and behold, the match winner later on in, in the game, I want to say, the, what was it, 96th? It was it was late. Yeah, it was very, it was very late. At the, as about as at the death as you could possibly score a goal. And it yeah. walked away with a massive three points <laughs> versus Norwich to help the relegation troubles out. I mean, speaking of atmosphere, I don't know if you saw the video uh, that circulated online afterwards. Um, holy shit, was that place rocking. It was loud. Very, very loud. The decibel levels were through the roof in, at Allen Road. Um, Leeds fans rejoice. You got the win you needed Norwich. I mean that we said it the other week about the nails in the coffin, but that's, that's the final nail in the coffin realistically. Um, so 
they're your shot. But that, that, yeah, that's the kick in the balls. Um, with that being said, though, for Leeds, Jesse Marsh in particular, the voodoo circles worked. They're finally able to get their win. Uh, Rafinha, too. I mean, that dude's a baller. Though set up for the goal. Unbelievable. Um, Leeds might have just kept themselves in the Premier League with that win. So yeah, a little bit was- to go, but they, they, I think they, with that win, I think they probably almost solidify themselves. Yeah, it's still, they no doubt still have work to do, but without that win, if they drew or had, or, or lost that game, yeah, it's there's some pressure. There's a lot different of an atmosphere going around that club then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good for them. Good for Jesse Marsh. We'll see if they turn it around. Um, Wolves one nothing winners over Everton. Everton just can't just can't get anything going right now. And it's, it's gonna be interesting. We just we already went over their schedule and what they got going or what they have moving forward. And mm. y'all need some three points. Wolves get their contractually obligated one nil win. So or one nil loss. One nil scoreline, we can say. <laughs> I'm already I'm already it's already too far in the season. I want to put the jinx on, but starting next year, I hope we remember this because I will I will seriously bet the under two and a half on every single one of the game. Just blindly and just see how and see how it goes out the entire season. I'm I'm very close to doing it. I will hold you to that. I'll throw a fifty game on it. We'll see, we'll see where we're super at the end of the year. Ride with wolves. <laughs> Ride or die right there, baby. And I hate betting unders. That is so that is so rude. Uh, West Ham two two one winners over Ashton Villa. Big game for them. Big European push, especially after the Arsenal loss today. We'll get to that. Um, mm-hmm. But then Arsenal also had a win against Leicester two 0 last week. Uh, City and Palace. Palace have stolen four points off Manchester City this year. Mm-hmm. Win earlier and a draw just uh, just this past week opens up the title race even more for Liverpool. Um, thoughts on what we got going on now? It's it's a little different than what um on about a month or month or two ago in the in the season. Yeah, first and foremost. Crystal Palace, hell of a hell of a game. They ran their asses off. Um, I mean, they had a couple chances, honestly, to score. Somehow, some way, the ball just didn't go in for Man City. I mean, they had some pretty clear-cut chances in that game. And, you know, lo and behold, they got the tie, their obligatory tie as well, you could say, for them in their season. Yeah, um, <laughs> they, had, no, they had 13 of them. How many? Yeah, they, they're at a ridiculous uh, yeah, number. 13. They're, they're at a ridiculous number. But, um, yeah, I mean, amazing game plan from them, the way they play. I mean, like we've always said, next year, next season, they can build around what they have. They're going to be a very, very dangerous team. But for Man City in this game, man, the nerves crept in. And you could tell as that game went on, they got more and more frantic as the way they played. They were trying to force things that they normally wouldn't do. I think ultimately that's what pretty much solidified that nil-nil draw at the end of the day and the title race, especially after Liverpool's win today, um, it is a lot closer. They got a game to play in April and it is going to be a doozy when it happens. Is it early or late April for that game? I honestly don't know. I thought my head. I think it's mid April, Steve. <laughs> my apologies. So it's now I gotta, now I gotta go to the ESPN app here. Hold on. <laughs> Uh, it's April 10th. I would consider that. All right. I don't know. That's right in between the early, early and mid. Early mid. Yeah. Early mid. Early mid. Um, interesting. Let's check out the schedule. After City's game with, with them, they have Wolves, but then they have Watford, Leeds, Newcastle, West Ham, Ashton Villa. I'm not going to say easy schedule, but relatively. Um, ideal. Ideal would be a nice, nice way to put that, I guess. Um, whereas Liverpool have. Man U, no, they have a decent schedule as well. They have Ashton Villa, Man U, uh, Everton, Newcastle, 
Tottenham, Southampton, Wolves. So, honestly, I would say it's about as even as it kind of gets down the stretch after. It's, it's, it's really not too bad either way. So. I would agree. I mean, they're bill- they're billing it up in April, so they have that game taking place, and then another game that hasn't been rescheduled yet. And then, depending on results, because Spurs did win today, Arsenal did lose. Still a long way, but there's a North London derby that has to be rescheduled. So, just saying. Is this your way of later on the show saying that that, that the Spurs top four is back on? Depending, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see about after this weekend versus West Ham. We'll see. Well, yeah, spoiler right there. Spurs 2-0 winners today over Brighton and Liverpool 2-0 over Arsenal as well. Um, Arsenal have been on an absolute tear lately. Um, it's going to be interesting because they have this game against Liverpool. They want to have one they have to make up against Chelsea and a few other top teams I feel like coming up for them. So um, although they've been killing it lately, they are getting to a little part of a schedule where um, we'll see if their top four push is really as, as, as true as what they've been doing lately, I, I feel like. But... If you give them the eye test, it's they look good, dude. They look really good. Martinelli too. It looks really good. I'm gonna be honest. But it's, I mean, granted, they're April. They have Crystal Palace, never an easy out. Brighton have been terrible as of late. Southampton, same thing. Um, But then you got Chelsea, Man U, West Ham. They have a very nice ending to ending to the schedule. Leeds, Newcastle, Everton. Yeah, and the Spurs game, which they. And the Spurs game, and the Spurs game. So, but if they can pick mm-hmm. up some points during the middle, the middle of that stretch, and then end off with three straight wins potentially, that that's huge. So we'll it'll see. be a good, it'll be a good end to the season, to say the least. I, know, I can't. I'm very, very excited. Uh, some games to look out for for this upcoming Premier League week. We got Everton, Newcastle, big for Everton if they can pick up some points against the hot Newcastle. Um, we'll see about that. But if I had to put some money on it right now, I'd actually back, uh, I'd back Newcastle for the win. I would agree. Um, Wolves versus Leeds. Big push for both teams. Leeds get out of relegation zone. Wolves trying to hang on to any any chance they have of making Europe uh, some some type of European spot. I think that'll be a great game to watch. Honestly, I mean Wolves super defensive. Leeds the you know the attacking prowess they have. But the I, new Leeds, the new Leeds, a little, little bit more better, a little, little more defensive, a little bit more stable. Yes, but I mean I still don't think you can change that DNA of a team that quickly. So. I feel like this is gonna either. I feel like this is gonna be a pretty open game on counters for Wolves, or it's gonna be Leeds just coming hot. So, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to watch because both teams kind of like to sit back now um, and play really mainly off the counter. So I don't know if either one of them, whoever has more possession of the ball, is gonna feel kind of out of place. Um, so that that'll be very interesting to watch. So they both have similar styles going forward. They usually just wait for the counter and push what three, four guys up all at the same time. So yeah, will be fun to watch. Uh, Villa versus Arsenal on Saturday, big game for Arsenal again. They're gonna be making up making up a few that they've had in hand. Um, definitely a three points there. Villa, at this point in the season, I don't want to say they have nothing to play for, but they've pretty much you know they're sitting at thirty six points. Yeah, they're ten points below Wolves at this 10 point. Ten points below Wolves. They've pretty much clinched. Yeah. You know, no relegation trouble there. They're basically just finishing out the season at this point. Yeah. Um, we got Leicester, Brentford, big match for Brentford right there. Leicester, um, same with them. No, no need for relegation, but they're they they're not pushing anywhere towards Europe like we kind of expected them uh, at the beginning of the season. Uh, Spurs versus West Ham on Sunday. That'll be an interesting one. Um, last game before international break. Mm-hmm. They tied on points. Been- yep, tied on points at forty-eight. Uh, Spurs have a game in hand on West Ham right now. 
Um, so, I mean, we'll see what happens. This could be a pretty big momentum swing if they win this game, because I believe Manchester United is not playing in this, uh, I think in like this upcoming week of like this games that need to be rescheduled. Yeah. So, so right now it's hard, it's hard to call it Tottenham or, or West Ham win. Um, it's going to catapult them right above Man U. So we'll see what happens. Um, it'll, it'll be a good game to watch. Yeah. Depending on results, uh, let's say somehow Arsenal does lose uh, a West Ham win bumps them up actually over top. Um, yep. to on goal differential. Yeah. Yeah. So same thing. Yeah. Same thing with, even with, uh, with Spurs though, if, an, if Arsenal lose, you lose a little bit of goal differential. Tottenham win gains it, and they could be sitting literally. Yeah, they could be sitting in fourth place as well. Yeah, it's it's going to be a very, very tight finish. It's not over. It looked over on after Sunday or Saturday. I'm going to be honest, <laughs> but we'll see. I might have overreacted slightly. It's the Spurs thing to do. Let's head into uh, United States men's national team. Though we have our final World Cup qualifying window right now. Obviously, I have a lot of decisions to make. Biggest one, you know, storyline, West McKinney's out for, for the window with the broken foot. Um, mm-hmm. We do gain back to you, Reyna, assuming that he's going to be called into the squad. We'll get to a lot of assumptions about the squad later. But um, Gio had a great assist today for, for Dortmund on a beautiful uh, crossover free uh, set piece. Uh, Pulisic goal in the Champions League. Horvath getting a bunch of starts for Not- uh, Nottingham, which is kind of huge with Turner and Stefan. Are they still out injured? Uh, I mean, Stefan was healthy enough to play over the weekend on the bench. but not sure necessarily what that means and how healthy he okay. actually is. And with Turner, I feel like he's kind of an MIA for Arsenal. So, okay, well, we'll, we'll see what happens with that, but he's definitely playing himself onto a spot in the roster, at least in my opinion. Um, he's been killing it out there and, and he isn't letting that job go anywhere. And he's had a lot of nice saves actually this past weekend. Um, roster yeah. drop is for Thursday, apparently at 6 PM. We'll see if the United States men's national team sticks to that or not. Um, biggest news, I guess if you want to go off Twitter, a little interesting from the North City Twitter account. You want to handle that one? Yeah. So basically, they tweeted that Josh Sargent, and I'm reading exactly what they wrote, has been named to the reserve list for the USA's upcoming World Cup qualifying matches. Uh, interestingly, right after that, the US Soccer Comms Twitter, not the US Men's National Team Twitter, but they still represent obviously the same body, responded back um, to a question like, hey, does this mean that Josh Sargent is not necessarily playing or something along those lines? And it says, as part of protocol, national teams are required to send, in quotes, provisional releases, end quotes, to clubs 15 days prior to the start of the FIFA window. There is no limit on the number of releases you can send. The final roster comes from that list, which is actually something I was not aware about, which hypothetically and technically probably means they could send out a list to, what, 30, 40 people and saying, hey, you might hypothetically be on the U.S. men's national team, but then they don't get they probably already know the players do who is and who isn't on it. And the clubs are just stating that. And, you know, maybe the club's just happy to say that, but um, it kind of leads you to believe that obviously there's still room for Sergeant to make this team and make this camp. I guess the bigger question is, does he not, does he deserve it, but does he make it? So do you think he deserves it? Yes. Given the woes we've had recently, um attacking i think sergeant the way he's been playing for norwich granted they're more than likely going to get relegated but he in particular has been very versatile for that team playing off the wing kind of coming in more centrally i think he's probably one of the more talented nines that we have just purely on the ball and being able to with his hold up play and finishing ability um i think you need every uh, attacking opportunity you can get 
against these teams and historically over this window of World Cup qualifying, the United States has not played well um, in terms of like putting the ball in the back of the net for the first 45 minutes. It's typically been the second half performances or later on in the World Cup qualifying rounds against the other games where they've stepped up where they needed to. So I think you have to bring either him or P folk in one of the two at a bare minimum. And unfortunately, I mean, I personally would rather have P folk, but I don't think either of them are going to get brought in. We'll see. And I hope I'm proved wrong, but if P folk doesn't get called in, I'm like throwing my phone through my TV. That's the most absurd. This guy could not be hotter in front of net right he's now. Got, he's got, he's got 20 goals right now this season in, in Sweden or Switzerland, wherever the hell he plays um it's the same country <laughs> uh <laughs> but um i mean regardless like i mean obviously like you know the guy is hitting the goal that it seems like every time he kicks the ball it'd be absurd to not bring p folk into that game especially as someone god forbid you're at the azteca and you need a goal you're down one nothing you want to get the draw you throw up a big target man up there p folk is great for that he just has an eye for it right now and i think he's separated himself at least for the time being as like the nine that the U S need to be rolling with. I mean, I, I, in my opinion, he's the, uh, he's the unquestioned starter right now. He's the hottest. He's the most informed by, by a mile getting regular game time. Pepe's move to Augsburg is not working out as much as we, we'd all hope, right? He's not, he's not regularly yeah. scoring goals in front. Yeah. Um, Ferrara, the, the MLS season is just starting back up. He's not necessarily in the best form, probably fitness wise in general. And you have Sergeant, like if I don't know who else starts besides him, but besides people, at least for the Mexico we'll, game, right? I mean, we'll we'll see. I mean, and then speaking of the Mexico game, there's the question about, you know, how heavily do we think Greg is going to rotate the teams from the first to the second game and the Azteca to the third game? Um, I think they're playing Costa Rica the third so game. Have, so, we have, so we have Mexico at the Azteca on Thursday. That's March 24th. Um, then we go, we play at home on Sunday, March 27th uh, against Panama, uh, who beat us in the reverse fixture. Um, and then we, we top, we finish off the group, uh, Wednesday, the 30th, uh, playing away at Costa Rica, who we beat, uh, in the reverse picture. So I guess my question is, do you put out a, a lower level team versus Mexico and kind of hope for the best in that result and then gamble it all on Costa Rica and Panama? No, I, I put out my best possible roster, my, my best possible also fit roster for all three games. Let's like let's try to just seal it up right in the beginning. Why, like a win right now, granted other results have to take place to to mathematically do it, but a win against Mexico more than likely guarantees us to qualify. Well, a win against Panama guarantees us essentially. At least at minimum, we finish fourth and we play that playoff spot. I rather just get automatic qualification. I don't want to leave that. I, I get it. I get it. But. The last thing I really truthfully want is to need points against Costa Rica, who's probably who at that point either wants to play spoiler or also needs points to just get into that last that last spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, you and me saw it go absolutely wrong when we, when we watched him at the Red Bull Arena uh, <laughs> back for the, the 2018 uh, qualifying or World yeah. Cup qualifiers back then. That was a different uh, team, though. Let's be real. <laughs> like, I, that was, I, that was uh, a different I, Costa Rica I, team. For both, for both, yes, Costa Rica. Yeah. You guys are much, much different teams. I agree. I just don't want to be in that situation. I get it. A win against Mexico, we're we're damn near in. I 
all right, let's 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 ask this the reverse way. We put out a weaker squad against Mexico, lose. We have a shit game against Panama, draw, and then we're we're looking at the Costa Rica as an absolute must win. That's true, and that's a lot of pressure to put on these young kids, right? It did. It's a lot of pressure. Trinigo, Tobago, C team. That's what a lot of pressure. I mean, yeah. I just wrap it up as soon as possible. I'm putting out. If it's me personally, I'll tell you my lineup right away. If everyone's healthy, P folks, my striker. I want to play a four-two-three-one. Pulisic on the left, Aronson in the middle, Waya on the right, Eunice and Adams at the Adams is healthy again, right? Yep. Okay. And they're my center, they're to my center defensive mids. We got Jetty. Does Brooks uh, yeah. that's another question. Is Brooks even gonna be in this team? I don't think he'll be in the camp. I, I still think he's got he a bone to pick. Much better at Wolfsburg. He's been playing so much better. Um I would I would have Brooks in there as my starter currently. Um, desk obviously on the right. My other center back, Zimmerman's been playing pretty damn well. Richards is out, right? He's still hurt. Yep. No, uh, yeah, I guess you could say maybe Miles is just starting the MLS season back up, I guess. But so is, so is, so is, um, Zimmerman. That's a tough one, man. I, I, you gotta go with Brooks, and yeah, I, I feel like he probably goes Zimmerman the way he's been playing. I agree with you that Brooks should be playing and he should be in that lineup. I don't think he even, I, I honestly think he did something to piss Greg off. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but. There is, so there was, there was a thing on Twitter, like a, a short video of like a, a look he, he shot the Greg back in the summer during one, like I think one of that, like the last one who's actually called into. And I mean, I mean. What's going on in the back, like in the back room we don't know about? If it's about form at this point, it it's a bullshit argument That's because yeah. it's it's a garbage argument. Um, realistically, I think it's something deeper than that. I don't think Brooks will play. I don't think he gets called in. I would hopefully I'm proved wrong here, but um, we'll see. Honestly, I think it'll probably be a back line of Robinson and Zimmerman, like we've seen Jet, Jetty uh, Dest on the right. I think it'll probably I think it'll probably be three. I think it'll probably be three in the midfield. Um, I would love to see Luca de Torre play. Uh, I think he'd be phenomenal, but I think Greg will take the more practical approach and put Kellen Acosta in with Eunice playing a little bit farther up and Tyler Adams sitting right there to play the true box to box. And then you'll I'll, see. I'll be honest, if there's one game I, I have no problem with Acosta playing, granted, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of his touch and his passing sometimes, it's the Mexico game. Well, he, he you know, he's physical enough for that game. Like he he's will so take somebody out. Half that is perfect, yeah. he's perfect for that, for that atmosphere. I would agree. At a thousand percent, I would agree. I wouldn't have a problem with Acosta playing in that game, but I wouldn't want to see him playing every game. I'll say that. No, um, he's he's the poor man's Tyler Adams, in my opinion. And no yeah. disrespect to, to Acosta, he's just not he's just not up to that standard. Like he he was a guy for a while, he was up and coming, but he's just hasn't panned out to what we personally I think we want to see. But again, not a bad player. He has plenty of USA experience, experience against yeah. Mexico, how they're going to play, the types of stuff they you know the shit they do yeah um and i think I, have, I literally have no problem with him playing it the rest of up rest of up top i think what you'll see is pulisic i think you'll see aronson on the right and then i think up top you'll probably see peppy start because that's what greg will probably want to do in my opinion but um, not I'm to not say that's not to say it's not a team i would choose but i think that's where his, his head will probably go Oh, you know, it's a big difference between what I what I want and what, what I think Greg's gonna do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, full, so, I'm fully aware of that. <laughs> do you have anybody? Do you have anybody you think will be a surprise? I guess a mission surprise inclusion in this lineup. 
the biggest submission you already that I could I could actually realistically see for whatever freaking reason would be Brooks, like you you already mentioned. Um, other than that, Sergeant would be in a mission, in my opinion, depending on, but also depending on who's called in, right? So if yeah. he calls key folk, Pepe and Ferrara up front, that's fine. Am I gonna be mad about Sergeant not being included? No. Yeah, but that's fine. He probably deserves one. One of the two should be in that lineup or in that squad. If we have Jordan Morris and Zardis in there, and then Sergeant's not, then I have a, then I have something to pick with that with that kind of uh, that mm -hmm. roster selection. Mm -hmm. um, from the midfield perspective, I think it's pretty standard what we're going to see. We obviously know Ariel is first on the list. Um, <laughs> then we got Aaron, we got Aronson. It's a, it's a joke, but it's also not, which is the scary part. Um, Aronson, Ariola, Musa, De La Torre. God, dare I say, Lynn Jett's probably getting in there somehow. Acosta and Adams. That's probably the midfield, like the midfielders that are going to get called in. Defensively is interesting. Um, just from a depth perspective, you have Jetty and Desk. I'm assuming you're getting Yedlin. Uh, I'm trying to think who else really makes it on the outside backs right now. You think Cannon? Maybe. Maybe like who who like who would back up Jetty right now at left back? I don't. Vines hasn't been in since the Gold Cup. I think he's been injured. No, he's been playing. He's been uh, Royal, has he? Royal uh, Antwerp. Antwerp. Yeah, yeah, Antwerp. Yeah, I, I'm not sure who you'd bring in as the left back. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe Greg pulls a curveball and brings in Reem also to play alongside with Jetty, and they puts Reem out there at left back. Who the hell knows? Not the hard, like not the worst idea in the entire world. Not saying I would want, like I'm generally out there. But, who, our, but they play together. They play together all the time, club. So why would you? I mean, hypothetically, it's not a bad idea. It's 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 truly not. But like, and then again, look at our look at our center back situation. Like what we got going on there, right? If Brooks isn't called in, we're stuck with Robinson and Zimmerman. After that, it's a freaking toss up. Like you got Mark McKenzie and who, Chris who Richards. So, Richard, he's hurt though, isn't he? I think he's like kind of back, like, but he couldn't play this weekend against Bayern. Okay, so then we're taking a potentially semi yeah. fit. That's tough, man. I like that's where we have our 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 biggest like our biggest issues in my opinion. Center backs, like, definitely it, and then even outside backs. Uh, Chris Richards, I don't have on any reserve like his last game played it looks like with january 30th against canada which is the, the game i'm assuming he got hurt in. i don't remember exactly which one i think it was that one yeah um i have nothing for hoffenheim since then mm. so, what about yeah. i was gonna say what about in goal like who would you put in goal to start uh stefan's healthy he's my guy um if not We'll see what's happening with Turner, and if not him, I mean, yeah, I have no problem. Dude, Horvath came in the National League final and was a master. Saved the penalty in extra time, or, or was it extra time, or just yeah, yeah, they went to extra on that for the 120 minutes. Um, like I'm not goalkeeper. I'm really not concerned about too much, to be honest with you. Mm. Maybe the style of play afterwards. Like obviously, Stefan's much better suited for the way Greg wants to play out of the back versus Horvath, who I think is definitely much more of a stock, uh, shot stopper. Him and Turner, honestly, more shot stoppers yeah, than yeah, Turner too. Yeah. Which is, I'm actually happy for the move for Arsenal for Turner because I hope maybe that will allow him to play his feet a little bit more. You know, will they work on that a little bit better than we'd probably do in MLS? But 
yeah, I'd, I'd, I would take Stefan as my starter right there. Defensively, though, was a little, I'm worried a little bit. I mean, there's reason to be worried, honestly. Um, we'll, we'll see. I, I still am very confident that the U.S. qualify out of this round and they eventually qualify for the World Cup when it's all said and done. But I think that second game, not the game against Mexico, but I think the second game you said it's against Panama, right? Correct. That, yeah, that's good. That's that's going to be the most telling game of where this team is at mentally because Mexico, I can live with a loss against Mexico at the Azteca at the end of the day. It wouldn't be the end of the world for me. Obviously, the ideal scenario would be to get a draw or to get a win. But again, it's Mexico at the Azteca, the altitude, everything that you have going against you historically there. Panama, Pan, Pan, yeah, Panama at home. If we don't win that game, it's a fucking toss up. Straight, it's a straight toss-up for who knows what's going to happen against Costa Rica. Looking at the table, we got we're tied with Mexico twenty-one, Panama. We got we are four points ahead. So let's say we draw against Mexico, we're at twenty-two, and then Panama wins. They're at twenty. Then we beat Panama. They're at twenty-five, and they're 20. okay. So let's say we lose that twenty-one twenty. Oh, dude, I don't know. You make a good point. Realistically, that Panama win. It locks it up. It essentially locks it up. Unless Costa Rica beats Canada and... Which they won't. They won't beat Canada. There's no way. The The only way that doesn't guarantee it is if they beat Canada and beat El Salvador. El Salvador is definitely possible. That puts them at 19, but they play Canada first. Yep. So that that game... For that first that first week right there, Costa Rica loses, which they most likely will against Canada. That pretty much puts Costa Rica out. The U.S. beats Panama, right? As long as we beat Panama, and that result from prior holds, the U.S. are pretty much in. At the bare minimum, a playoff. Oh, spot. that is that is a tough squad selection then with Mexico. That really is. I don't. I just can't see us going into there and then not putting in a strong lineup, though. I really. Can't I think that. they. I think they will, and I think they'll put out a strong lineup. But I think it'll be more of a pragmatic and defensively strong lineup than it would be like the attacking talent. Let's just say that they're not going to go out there and like take it to Mexico. I think they're going to sit back and kind of counter and wait for their opportunities It'd in be, that game. I, I think Greg will be very happy with a draw. I, I agree. I agree. I would be too, honestly. I'd be very happy with a draw. Ooh, that is that's a tough, that's a tough decision, man. Honestly, I that's the kind of game where if it's nil nil or one one in the 60th minute, I feel like Pulisic gets subbed off. Yeah, you just take the point if you just play for the point. That'd be interesting. That'd be really, really interesting to watch, especially if there's a if there's an early goal in that one for either squad. That's gonna be very telling to see what what each coach does. Yeah. Wow. Because Mexico got Honduras and El Salvador after us. I mean. You have to assume those are six points for them. You have to assume. Yeah. Yeah. Did they, did they, did they put out just as strong of a lineup then at the same time? I don't know. They're just it's, a cat, it's, it's, a, it's a cat and mouse game. Yeah, that's oh shit. That's gonna be that's gonna be interesting to see. Who would your ideal lineup be then? In general, like 
not saying like per game, just like if you take take the roster you would prefer to see in there, who would your ident- who would your perfect uh, lineup be? Uh, yeah, West out and all that kind of stuff against Mexico, or just in, in general, general for all all three games. General, like this this window. Um, I mean, ideally, perfect world, you would see Stefan in goal. You see Jetty on the left, Brooks left center back. You'd see Walker Zimmerman as the right center back, and then Dest as the right back. Um, if they could play a four-two-three-one, that'd be ideal. I don't think it's going to happen, but would love to see more than likely Adams, um, Musa, and then I would personally like to see Luca Del Torre play up top, play in the middle, be the ball-carrying midfielder. And then the three strikers you put up there, Pulisic on the left wing, Aronson on the right wing, and then I think you put P-Folk up top. All right, so we basically have identical things. I just move – I move Brennan to the center and then put uh, way out to the right just because he, he's been he's been showing up for the U.S. Uh, the last couple of uh, – Yeah, so. I think I think Wea is a great player, and he's when he's played, he's done really well. I think he is a great impact sub. Either him or Aronson, honestly, you could put in and make a case for them being like, just phenomenal impact subs because the energy they bring to the games are ridiculous when they come in. Aaronson also plays more of a center attacking mid center forward role. I feel like for Salzburg as well. So I have no problem putting him right in the middle of the field. I think he would excel very like him and pull stick together. I feel it excel heavily. It's just unfortunate that we play a four, three, three and he sits behind pull stick in the depth chart because of that reason. Yeah. But also not mad about that. We can bring on someone with the quality of Aaronson afterwards. So again, give or take there. A good problem to have. Yeah, and then don't forget we have Gio Reyna coming back too potentially. Um, could see him playing he, that fall. He plays as a sub in. as a substitute. I don't think he starts any of these games. It'll be interesting because he hasn't been back in the lineup since what was it the late early fall or late fall? Right? It's yeah, it's it's late late though. late fall. Um, and he just recently started playing for Dortmund again. So yeah, I think they, if if, if he does come back, it's he won't be doing more than you know, 20 minutes of time or something or 30 minutes. He was starting on the right wing when we were playing that four, three, three over everybody else all, all, over the natural winner wingers. When we had way uh, Conrad was even in form back then, like he was getting call-ups. He looked pretty good too. It's unfortunately he hasn't been playing as much for Marseille lately. Yeah. But interesting, man, this one is going to be, this one is going to be very telling about what happens with us. Oh yeah. Uh, we'll know if we're in the world cup or not. <laughs> so, very good point, Very good point. It'll be very telling indeed where the United States Soccer Federation stands uh, in the Dude, world. If we missed out again, I think all hell would be raised. Oh my god! Um, yeah, it would. Uh, it would really suck. It'd be very embarrassing. I might not be able to make it to the podcast the following week. Might have to quit. <laughs> okay, we've always said twenty twenty six was our year anyway. <laughs> yes, yes, we hosted. it. We can't miss that one out, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'd be embarrassing. Then we win it out, out of nowhere. Oh, the, the dream that would be. Any other final thoughts, though? I mean, I, we pretty much hit the nail on the head for a lot of this. Um, just excited for international break, man. I, I, I can't wait to see what happens. No, uh, the international break is going to be, like we said, very telling. That's what I'm really looking forward to um, over the next couple weeks. So we'll see how the U.S. lineup, we'll see the lineup they drop. Um, I'm sure everyone's going to have a bitch fit about it, but um right now we have to put the full trust in greg berhalter he's the coach he's the man um and hopefully he has a game plan for how the united states get into the world cup so let's get it we shall see 
That'll do it for another episode of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. Like, comment, hit the bell, subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you find your podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod if you want to see us get banned from United States Men's National Team Twitter again um, after the 6 p.m. roster drop. We're not trying to purposely get banned, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's trying to get banned. (laughs) Listen, one time, my mistake, my hands up on me. Funny joke, taken the wrong way. Goddamn. Um, we also tweet about the, the Premier League, the United States men's national team, the show, world of football in general. Uh, I'm your host with Mike signing off. See you guys next week.